I'll say a few things this morning about where this practice that we're doing is leading. Where are we going to possibly arrive at if we continue to develop uh, these techniques of meditation? And what are the skills or attributes of mind that we're developing in order to do that? And then how? How do we develop those skills or attributes? We could say that we're developing two things, concentration and mindfulness that will offer tranquility and calm and insight. The goal or end result of a concentrated mind is calm, is tranquility. So the the mind and the body, uh, there's almost a slowing down quality if we try to describe it. Sometimes people will say, well, it feels like the mind is moving slower, the body is moving slower. Uh, There's a quality of ease. You know, people will use language like at peace or calm. So this is, this is tranquility, uh, calm. The breathing, will, uh, the breathing will slow down. The body will feel light, uh, less dense, and also less pain, less discomfort. So that's tranquility or calm, and that's the result of concentration. The other place we're going is ultimately to awakening, which is the full fruition of what the Buddhist tradition refers to as wisdom, which is the result of insight. And insight is a particular kind of knowledge or understanding. We could say with regard to how the mind works. If we understand how the mind works, then we understand how we get ourselves in trouble and cause suffering and stress and anxiety and worry. And if we can understand or see that, we're simultaneously developing a kind of understanding or knowledge into the nature of freedom, into the nature of peace and well-being. What we find as meditators is that we continue to drop in to these moments of calm and we seem to stumble upon insight or understanding. It just, it happens. There's a cliche that insight is an accident and that the language is is trying to prohibit us from really like striving too hard. the other half of that cliche is that, but practice makes us accident prone. And so we're, we're, we're planting the seeds for something to happen that will be very, very useful to us. But we can't arrive there through the normal mechanisms of analysis that we've learned to achieve other things in our lives. We have to take the, the teachings and the technique with, with as much trust 
as we have. You know, we don't yet fully trust the teacher and we probably don't fully trust the teachings because we haven't fully experienced the value of them. But we have to lean in with as much trust as we have, apply intention and technique and wait and see what happens. And then as there's positive benefit, the doubt or distrust decreases in the faith or... uh, Well, faith, not in a religious sense, but faith in the workability of the practice of the technique. That starts to grow, and then we relax into the teachings. We relax into the tradition uh, much more easily, right? So, both at the beginning and throughout our practice we need to stay aware of how. Okay, so we know where we're going. That provides motivation, right? That provides motivation. But we need to stay aware of how to do this. And often, really, we just sit and we're in touch with the breath a little bit and mostly we're thinking. I mean, and I've been doing this for 19 years, and I am willing to be completely transparent about the degree to which my mind is often not on the object of meditation. I thought about whether I would take a nap this afternoon or develop curriculum that has a fast-coming due date. I thought that maybe um, I would go to Cane's in Danvers and buy a new plant or maybe go (laughs) to a bookstore. (laughs) Amongst many other things, but these are three things that I kept. Now, those are fairly mundane things, correct? But they came up a lot. And that's just, that's just what happened. So being aware to the degree that we're able of how to develop meditation practice gives us a specific something to do moment by moment. And the degree that we can hold that, and that is a cognitive holding, the degree that we can hold that really supports the development of our practice. So first we simply need intention. We do need to have an intention. uh, And we all have different intentions for wanting to learn to meditate. Uh, So we have to stay uh, connected to our personal intention. And then we have to stay connected to the intention to employ the techniques. Okay. So remember that we have two possible outcomes. We have tranquility and we have insight leading to wisdom and freedom. And we have uh, to get to tranquility, we have concentration. And to get to wisdom leading to freedom, we have mindfulness. So how do we get to concentration? We get to concentration by paying attention. We develop the capacity of attention. Okay, that's a specific something we're trying to do. So we need to attend to some aspect of experience. For example, the breath. Most, most common taught object or anchor for the mind. I use those two words synonymously, object and anchor. You can use sound, you can use touch. A lot of people will posture their body in this way. I do, and sometimes the anchor or the object is just the felt sense of my hands making contact with my legs. 
Some people, uh, particularly beginners, will bring their attention to the breath and that will uh, stimulate a little bit of anxiety or a lot of anxiety for some folks, particularly if there's a traumatic history. And that person doesn't need to struggle through years of learning how to use the breath as an anchor. They can use something else like touch or even sound can be a real, no matter how quiet, there's always sound. It doesn't matter what you use for an object, even though most teachers and most books are going to talk about a few objects, particularly the breath. <clears throat> particularly in the West, where people are raised differently than in traditionally Buddhist countries, the breath is not the best anchor for everybody. Okay. So we have to develop attention, and attention, attention, <laughs> is knowing what the anchor is and choosing to attend to it, having the intention to stay with the anchor and to return to the anchor when the mind has become distracted, okay? So how now do we develop mindfulness? We have to have awareness. Awareness we can think of as a peripheral attending to what's happening around the primary anchor. So if I'm focusing on the breath, I might be hearing sounds. Uh, if my eyes are open, I might be seeing <coughs> shapes. And even if my eyes are closed, I might be seeing color or uh, thought images, sometimes they're called. I could just see a car driving down. I, maybe I'll hear a car on the road and I'll have an image of a car, right? That's a thought <coughs> image. So just because we're focusing on the primary, what I call the primary object, it doesn't mean that's the only thing in our awareness. Now, when you get very, very concentrated, it is the only thing in your awareness. But a lot of the time we're practicing, there's, there's, a, there's other things, there's other objects rising and passing away. Most of our attention is on the primary anchor, and that's a technique that we're employing to calm and stabilize the mind. Awareness is knowing that other things are happening when they naturally happen. We don't have to work really hard to go looking for other things. In fact, we shouldn't. We're supposed to be putting all our energy into that one anchor. Okay. Now, <clears throat> We can talk about the distracted mind in three ways. The, the mind is spontaneously moving away from the anchor. Have you noticed this? The mind is spontaneous. There's not a lot we can do about that. Now, through the development of concentration and mindfulness, our experience is going to change such that we're over time, we're able to stay with the anchor more often. But there's a natural law. We refer to it as uh, conditionality, where the attention is being brought away from the anchor. And then we're coming back to the anchor, and then we're distracted. We're, we come back to the anchor. Right? So we're doing this all the time. As time goes on, those movements towards something other than the anchor uh, get less and less and less. And we're over here with the anchor for longer and longer and longer. And then we drift away. And then, and then we don't drift as far. Actually, we just drift a little bit and then we come back. Right? 
So just in terms of a map, to again, to help really uh, ground your practice and uh, a clear understanding coupled with technique, the mind can, can get distracted by way of scanning. You know, you know what scanning is? Like, like the mind is kind of like, you know, looking for something more entertaining in a sense, really. So the mind is a scanning, you know, the mind is not used, our attention is not used to staying in one place. It's very, very rare that our attention stays in one place. I mean, even if you're like glued to the television or a, or a good book or listening to somebody, one, actually once you develop this practice, in all of those normal contexts, you'll be acutely aware of how distracted you are. You know, you'll be listening to somebody and you'll totally, and the difference is now you're developed a meditation practice, you're aware of it. Mm -hmm. I'll even say to people sometimes, oh, whoa, I want you to know that I totally just left the room (laughs) and I missed the last two minutes of what you said and there might have been something in there important, so can you please repeat yourself? (laughs) I'm watching my mind come and go like that, watching my attention come and go. So our attention can be scanning, and it's supposed to be right here on the, on, the, on the anchor or on the breath or on sound. Second, our attention can get hooked. Our attention, you know, so the, the mind is maybe scanning, and we remember that we're going to have a conversation with somebody later that brings up a little bit of anxiety. It could be a challenging conversation. And so we really start to play out in our mind what we'll say to that person. What angle will we take in this conversation? Or maybe, how can I come up with an excuse to postpone this conversation until next week? Whatever it is. And so we get hooked. Something grabs our attention. Someone has been unkind to us. And we're meditating. We have this this uprising of uh, frustration. And then we recall the event. And now we're we're caught. You know, that person... um, I, I'm shopping for a used car, and I, I felt at one point in a conversation with a sales manager yesterday that um, he skewed an earlier conversation with another manager as a way to guilt trip me a little bit into you know moving faster. And I was driving away, and I got really angry, and I, and I, and I realized that person manipulated me. You know, they 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 sort of replayed and gave back to me a series of events according to their perception, but as far as I felt, it wasn't actually how things unfolded. Um, and so, and, and, and this, and it came, as I was driving home, I got hooked, and, I, and then I got angry, right? So we can get hooked. Um, and then the third way is... That's a good word to describe it. Alternating. We go from one anchor to another anchor to another anchor to another anchor to another anchor. So we're bouncing around. And sometimes we refer to this in daily life as multitasking, but there's actually no such thing as multitasking. You're just moving your attention from one thing to the other really fast. Consciousness is comprised as a a consecutive and, and rapidly moving series of mind moments in which... Our attention is on one thing at a time. 
So you can watch in your own experience for these three uh, ways of being distracted. If we, if we know what might happen, we're more inclined to see it. That's why we, have, that's why we spend time uh, talking about the practice and sharing techniques. If we know what might happen, we're more inclined to see it. This is true for wisdom in freedom. <clears throat> Uh, particularly on retreat, I talk a lot about how to recognize insight in moments of freedom so that we're watching. and we, So experientially, we're, oh. You know, so that we start to believe the possibility of awakening and freedom and cessation. And, you know, because the whole tradition starts with the first noble truth or task of fully comprehending dukkha, which is suffering. And so we train ourselves to see suffering. And we get really good at it, actually. We get honest about it. Uh, and then, as the practice develops, we want to train to see freedom and uh, contentment and calm so that we start to know and believe that that is an inherent um, part of life, of part of ourself. That we can start to move in that direction. So these are just a few thoughts uh, to you know, possibly uh, help you with your practice. I hope there's something in there that is at least a little bit useful to you. So please feel free. Um, we could have a little bit of discussion. You could ask some questions if you like.